reestablished. Well, you know, speaking of holidays, you know how New Year's resolutions are often forgotten by Valentine's Day? (laughs) You know, I've been thinking lately, like, I feel like the same thing happens on Mother's Day. Like, we get to May, and we have, like, all but forgotten about Easter. (laughs) Like, I don't know about you, but just there is a lot that happens, especially in the life of a mother, (laughs) between Easter and today, and it's easy to just kind of lose sight of, you know, the, the cross and the resurrection because, you know, no matter how intentional or disciplined we were during Lent or how reflective we got in the room over there on the Good Friday service um, or how loudly we sang on Easter, you know, the, the warming weeks between Easter and Mother's Day, they just have this way, I think, of making us forget that the resurrection is so much more than something Jesus did then. And instead, it's, we forget that the resurrection is something that Jesus is inviting us into every day. It's a daily invitation to what he is doing now. So today I want to go back. I want to kind of pull us back to Easter and, and just put us back at the, at the tomb and see how that can kind of influence how we walk forward um, into the rest of our year. So... You know, if you've been around the church for any length of time, or around church people, or on social media on Easter or Holy Week, right? You know this this expression we say, all right? We say it all the time. I mean, it's kind of like on the screen. But <laughs> we always say Friday is good because Right. You guys have heard that, right? You've said that. You've said that a lot. Yes, I know. Friday is good because Sunday is coming. So, you know, the anguish and the suffering that Jesus endures on the cross and the confusion and the disappointment and the grief that his family and his followers experience, it's ultimately good, right? Because three days later, he rises and he defends, de- de- defeats sin, Satan, and death through his resurrection. And so with the benefit of hindsight, every year we are able to bear the darkness of Good Friday with hope because we know Sunday is coming. We know that. And so this got me to thinking, you know, we live like this with this quiet hope. We live like this during Holy Week. But what about the rest of the year? You know, do we bear hardships and hard times with hope? You know, when the relationship doesn't work out or the layoff catches us by surprise or the diagnosis is wrong again, or the anxiety keeps us in bed, are we Sunday is coming people then? You know, having having led in churches for um, our entire dating years and marriage, so over 20 years now, um, Ryan and I have kind of been Sunday is coming people on a practical level, right? It's kind of this personal joke within people who are in full-time ministry. They're like, listen, like, it doesn't matter how great last Sunday was. It doesn't matter how well thought out and planned and delivered that message was or how well put together that music was or how great the cinnamon rolls were or even like what comes at you in the middle of the week, illness, obstacles, volunteers not being able to help. It doesn't matter because Sunday is coming. (laughs) Sunday is coming 
and we have got to be ready to do this all over again. And it's a joy and it's a privilege, but it's also kind of a joke because it's like Sunday's coming. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, we got to be ready, right? Um, so, you know, Ryan and I and a lot of our friends have been Sunday is coming people on a practical level. But more than that, we aspire to be Sunday is coming people on a deeper, more holistic level. You know, we want to be people who carry the hope and the beauty and the promise of the resurrection so closely that even when life feels too heavy to handle, that the light of Jesus never leaves our eyes. And we want to be people who are always on the lookout for the resurrection. We want to be people who expect the resurrection and help others see signs of it in their lives as well. Now, we don't always get this right, but this is our hope for you, that you too would be Sunday is coming people. And so as I've read through scripture and as I've looked at how Jesus carried himself to the cross, and as I've looked around at my own life and my own friends and family who I think have you know, shown themselves to be Sunday is coming people on very dark Friday kind of days and situations, I notice four things that they do, that Jesus does, that people in the Bible do when life gets really dark and really hard. And so we're going to walk through those today. So you're going to want to grab you version. Everything's going to be in there. You can go to events and then more. Genesis Church, you can follow along that way. Or you can do what I do. I just watch the screens because that's nice. <laughs> you know, especially moms, you don't need to work any harder than you already do. Just relax and uh, Sailor, Sailor's got you covered. All right. So the first thing Sunday is coming people do really well, or at least really consistently, is they surrender. So not long before the arrest that led to his crucifixion, Jesus knelt in the garden at the Mount of Olives, and he prayed in Luke 22. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. You know, with full view of the betrayal and the arrest and the mocking and the torture, with full view of, of all of that that he was going to have to endure, Jesus asks to be delivered from all of it before eventually just surrendering to the will of the Father and to the painful reality that the only way out was going to be through, through the cross. He knew that he was the only one who could pay the price for our sin and for our rebellion against God. So he gathered his divine strength, he stood back up in obedience, and he kept going. You know, he didn't punch Judas or for betraying him, right? He didn't cancel Peter for denying him. He didn't resist the soldiers who came to take him in. He didn't shout back at the crowds for mocking him. He, he surrendered. He let go of his attachment to what he wanted, namely not to have to go through this, right? <laughs> to do what God wanted instead. And now it's really important to note what Jesus is doing here is different than resignation. Surrender and resignation are not the same, right? Sunday is coming, people understand this, because Jesus, he did not give up or concede defeat. What he did was he gave himself over to what God desired for him. 
He ceased resisting his enemies, and he trusted the process. He surrendered. And Sunday is coming, people do this too. When, when things get bleak, they don't give up or resign themselves to suffering, but they do let go of their attachment to the outcome or to the attachment to things like certainty or preferences or tidy timelines because they desire God's will to be done more than their will to be done. Now, I, I was thinking about this last week. I was, I was gone. I was in San Clemente for a few days um, on the beach, just getting a little R&R and clearing my headspace. And um, it was interesting because I was down on the beach and there were some teenagers swimming and the lifeguard came over and was like, you got to move. And I, having grown up on the beach, knew exactly why, because I could see it. <laughs> there was a rip current in the surf zone. And I don't know if you know about rip currents, but the non-scientific way to describe this would be that as waves are coming in and coming into the surf zone, they kind of develop this energy. And this energy ends up creating like a river that then pulls the water back out into the sea. And so it's just this like river. It just pulls out. And so swimmers, surfers, if they don't know about them, they, they get pulled out. All right. So here we've got this, this thing, <laughs> this, this photo. Now, I gathered when I was on the beach that this happens a lot in San Clemente because these were posted everywhere, everywhere we looked. I don't know if it was just for the surfers or if it was for me because God's like, you're going to preach on surrender. Like, here, take note. So if you'll permit me the metaphor, okay, I want to walk you through this. So if you're caught in a rip current, and let's just say a rip current is a, a Friday, right? A, a hard time, a, a dark night of the soul. The first thing that you want to do is you want to relax and you want to remember that a rip current is pulling you out. It's not pulling you under, right? It's not like Ursula from The Little Mermaid is down there like, let's go, like you are coming down here under the sea, right? No, it's, it's pulling you out. And so you can relax because it's, it's, it's going to be okay. It's going to be a little weird, but it's going to be okay. I actually have a very visceral memory of this. Um, my brother and I were, we grew up in Santa Barbara, and so we didn't have a lot of rip currents there because the Channel Islands are right off shore, and so you don't kind of get the big waves that will create these. But one time we were swimming a little bit south of Santa Barbara, and we got caught in one. And I was able to get out, I think by accident, I mean, maybe because I was the oldest child and I just kind of, you know, I, I, know, I knew how to escape, <laughs> but he did not, okay? So I am sitting on the outside of this rip current and my little brother is getting pulled out and I can remember just screaming to him. I don't know if he remembers this, but just yelling at him like, relax, relax, because he was trying to do number two, which was swim against the current. He was trying to get back to shore instead of just letting it carry him out and dissipate so that he could then get to safety. And so don't swim against the current is the, is the lesson here because you're going to waste a lot of energy, right? Trying to fight something that is, is a losing battle. If you can't escape, float or tread water. <laughs> Again, this is not about giving up. This is about just waiting, waiting it out. And if you need help yell, ask for it, okay? I think you guys can follow where we're going here. So, I, I just, it's so good. <laughs> because Sunday is coming, people surrender to the rip current. 
They, they don't waste valuable energy swimming against it. They don't panic, at least not for long, if, if things get hard, right? They wait it out, they call for help, and they trust God to return them safely to shore. So the second thing that Sunday is coming people do all the time is they zoom out. You know, they have this incredible ability to hit that 0.5 button on their iPhone on that lens to, to get the wide angle lens. They have this ability to hit the button and expand the view of their circumstances. And when they do, they notice two important things. Number one, they notice the places that God has been faithful before. And they also notice how there must be something just outside the frame that they can't quite see yet. Sunday is coming, people, they read their Bibles, and therefore they have the benefit of knowing the whole story. They can zoom out and they can see the full picture of how God moved in super crazy ways of the, in the lives of people in the Bible. And he, he, you can see how he worked everything together for their good. You know, they can see Abraham and Sarah, how they ended up with baby Isaac after struggling with infertility for decades. They can read about how Joseph was sold into slavery, wrongly imprisoned, so that eventually he could be in the position to save his entire family when famine hit. They're able to watch as the Israelites were mistreated for centuries before God let them out of Egypt and into the promised land. And they know, of course, as we do, that Jesus did not stay in the tomb. Sunday is coming. People know these stories, but they're also really good at paying attention to their own histories and to the times God has been faithful to bless and rescue and provide for them or for the people close to them. You know, they know that God writes straight with some seriously crooked lines sometimes. So when confronted with momentary struggles or long seasons of, quite honestly, suckiness, <laughs> um, Sunday is coming, people know that they are only ever seeing a small piece of the bigger picture. They know that God is working just outside the frame. It's what he's always done. Sunday is coming, people, they zoom out for their own benefit, but they also zoom out to help others gain perspective too. And not with trite platitudes or shallow theology, but with the same gift that Jesus gave all of us. Sunday is coming, people, help people zoom out by giving them their presence and their perspective you know, like, Jesus was like the OG wide-angle lens when he was on the cross, and he told the criminal hanging next to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. I mean, talk about <laughs> expanding the view. Talk about seeing beyond the frame. Jesus helped this man who was suffocating next to him see that this won't last. Today you will be with me in paradise. So, you know, I'm not sure where you are with God these days. Um, you know, maybe you have a deep love and trust for him. Maybe you're just going through the motions, um, and you're just not sure. You're kind of on the fence about him. Maybe you've had so many doubts that you aren't even sure why you're here today. 
I don't know where you are, but I do know this. I know that it's easy to wonder how or if God is still working in your life. You know, it's, it's not uncommon to look at your present moment and look around and wonder where God is. But when you zoom out a little, you can begin to see how God has been working in every moment leading up to this one. The third thing Sunday is coming people do, and this is such a great one, is they, they carry redemption. You know, during Holy Week, we, we talk a lot about the things that Jesus carried, right? He carried the cross. He carried physical pain. He carried the burden of every hideous and insidious sin. He carried the crown of thorns on his head. But as he was limping along and bleeding out, deep within himself, in a place that only God could see, he was quietly, confidently carrying redemption in his heart. You know, he knew exactly where his pain and suffering were leading. So he was able to keep putting one foot in front of the other, knowing that the moment he died, something new would be born. You know, there's this great scene in John 16 where Jesus is trying to clue his disciples into the fact that some stuff is about to go down. So they need to listen carefully to a few warnings so that when stuff hits the fan, they won't abandon their faith. And one of the things he wants them to know is where their sadness and grief are going to lead, right? He wants them to know that their sadness and grief are going to be redeemed and turned to joy. So let's, let's look at this in John 16, verse 16. In a little while, you won't see me anymore, but a little while after that, you will see me again. Some of his disciples asked each other, what does he mean when he says, in a little while, you won't see me, but then you will see me, and I am going to the Father. And what does he mean by a little while? Like, we don't understand. They're super confused. Good thing we never are confused about Jesus, right? Jesus realized that they, want, realized they wanted to ask him about it. So he said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said, in a little while, you won't see me, but a little while after that, you'll see me again. Like, guys, this is not hard. I'm going away, I'm going to come back. Ta-da! Like, hello. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor, when the child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. Sunday is coming, people. Endure labor and loss and all manner of discomfort and disappointment with a quiet hope because at the same time, they are bearing their cross, enduring physical or emotional pain, and carrying a whole lot of uncertainty. They know deep within themselves that this, whatever this is for them, whatever this is for you, isn't the end. Their grief and their sorrow will turn to joy. Jesus promises it. It will turn to joy, if not during this life, then certainly beyond. Now, let me interject something here because I know what you're thinking. Like, no, it doesn't. 
I have been suffering with something for decades and it still hurts and it's still hard and it's still horrible. I want to be clear that this side of heaven, not every sorrow becomes a song. Not everything is redeemed before our eyes here on earth. I have sat bedside in a hospital and watched cancer win. So I get it. I get it. We don't always get to step into the promised land. This side of heaven, I hate that for us. And I want to be honest that that is where I'm sure some of you find yourselves today, is just feeling like, yeah, but. I'm sorry for that, but in spite of that, we can still be Sunday is coming people. Because Sunday is coming people find a way not to lose hope because they believe Jesus meant it when he told us that he would see us again and that when we do, we will rejoice and no one, nothing will be able to rob us of that joy. So Sunday is coming people carry the promise of redemption around in the dark until the darkness bleeds light because Sunday is coming people also remember what Paul said in Romans 8 verse 18 where he says, yet we, what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal in us later. Sunday is coming, people. Understand that no feeling is final, no pain is permanent, no season is static, no darkness holds back the dawn. Jesus is alive. Redemption doesn't just get the last word. Redemption is the last word. We know this. But now, again, if you're sitting here and you're like, Kristen, I have never experienced redemption, so I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, fine, fair enough. Let me, eyes up here, class. Let me be the first to remind you that, oh, yes, you have. And you know how I know? Because you survived a global pandemic and lived to tell about it. All right? Like... You learned that isolation and illness and N92s and sourdough and Tiger King was not how the story ended, okay? You came out the other side of the rip current. I mean, you had to float on your back and tread water a lot, but you made it out. You found the escape. We all did. You know what it feels like to be rescued, so don't let anyone tell you you don't, okay? Now... I'm joking, but not really, because, you know, the pandemic was challenging, obviously, for every single person in this room and beyond. But, you know, the hit that each of us took to the boards, see, I can use hockey metaphors too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that, the hit that we each took to the boards, it, it injured us all in different ways. And for Ryan and me, you know, this is serious, like being locked down with three teenagers who developmentally and socially, we're supposed to be out, like spreading their wings and working out their teenagery. I don't want to say angst, but I'm going to say angst. Their teenagery things with their with their coaches and with their teachers and with their friends. Like it was a special kind of brutal. And I know we're laughing about it, but it was like it was horrendous. Like there were some seriously dark, dark times. Um, stop laughing. I'm being serious. <laughs> and, you know, honestly, during one, you know, particularly dark stretch of that time on a day when I was, I was spiraling and 
completely convinced that our kids and our relationships with them were irreparably damaged, Ryan truly gave his shortest and most impactful sermon ever from a chair in her bedroom. It was about 13 words long, and he said to me, Kristen, God isn't finished with them yet. This is not how their story ends. It isn't. God isn't finished with them yet. And it was like in that moment, he like handed me hope and he handed me redemption. And, and I was able to just like tuck that away, right? And I was able to carry that truth that God is not finished with them yet through every dark day. And now truly, like, I look around at the new life and the, the opportunities that my kids are experiencing today, and I just, I, I, I don't know, I don't have words for that. It's, it's incredible, but it, it was hard. But, but that, that word from Ryan and, and ultimately from God really, really helped me remember what Jesus said, right? He said, you will grieve, Jesus says, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. All right, so the last thing Sunday is coming people do is the best thing. Sunday is coming people tell others what happened next. I told you we're going to go back to the tomb, so let's, let's do that. Let's go to Luke 24. But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there, puzzled, two men suddenly, suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day? Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and several other women who told the apostles what happened. Women were the first preachers. Mothers were the first preachers. They told the disciples what happened next. And some of the men were like, what are you talking about? And other people were like, let's go. It was amazing, right? Sunday is coming. People do this, you guys. They tell others what happened next. Genesis, we are called to tell of the historical resurrection of course we are, but we're also called to be people who tell of the ways Jesus has brought new life to the actual ground beneath our actual feet right here and right now. And so even if you are enduring a Friday, every one of you has a story from your past. I heard you sing about it earlier, right? He has been faithful. Every one of you has a story from your past of how Jesus resurrected something or someone in your life. And every one of you has someone in your life who needs to hear about it. I could stand up here, I know, and I could list a bunch of generic examples 
to jog your memory, but you don't need me to do that, do you? You know how you've suffered. You know what you have endured. You remember what you've lost and what it felt like when the sky was that dark. But then tell us, please tell us all what happened after. What happened next? Tell us about Friday, but then tell us about Sunday. Sunday.